0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino.
1: All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino show on this fine. Actually, you know what? Not fine Monday. It is a complete disaster down (laughs) here in South Florida where it hardly ever rains for more than a half an hour, an hour. It has been raining. Um, Animals are lining up two by two. Uh, I see an arc floating down the street. It has been raining forever. (laughs) And on the weekends, because I never get out of the house, little Dan Bongino trivia for those of you who care to know, it may be too much information for others. But whatevs, uh, you know, I love you all. So yeah, I feel like we have a personal relationship. I like to go out on the weekends and hang out for like an hour outside and catch some sun. It's good. It's good for your vitamin D. It Because yeah. I never get out of my house ever because I'm always working. And this weekend, nothing. No sun. Nothing. Arcs coming by. Animals lining up. There's a. I mean, it is just. There's water everywhere. Noah's drinking already. You know, he's up there ready to go. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> depressing. I got to tell you, Joe. It's dark outside. Everything usually, Joe, behind me. You see the uh, the light creeping yeah. through the window. None, None of that today. All right, I got a really stacked show for you today. I have a piece of audio, and uh, Joe, th- Joe, wouldn't you say being in the radio business for almost as yeah. long as I've been alive, that it's not customary to play a clip, say, over, what, 45 seconds to a minute? I mean, you try to avoid it because you don't want to lose your audience, right? Yeah. You want to stick to usually no more than a minute, unless it's
0: a particularly interesting Well, piece. when I
1: sent you one this week, this clip that we're about to play in a few minutes, wouldn't you say this is worth the, what, minute and 40 seconds, two minutes
0: or so it is? Yeah, once I started listening to it to see what you wanted, I and mean, most of the time you could stop and get to work on the cut, but I had to finish. I had to finish listening to this thing. It, it is really so
1: good. incredible. Now, uh, it, it this is a clip of Henry Davis, just to be clear. Uh if you have young ones listening, now Joe did his best to creatively bleep out. There's a lot of expletives and I'm certainly not um condoning that, although I've been known to drop quite a few F-bombs myself. Being yeah, me. well, but me too. <laughs> Joe bleeped them out, so. but if you have young ones listening, it's still, I get it. I'm just warning you. Um, the clip is... Um It's a little rough, but it's worth hearing. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute why, because it's really important. Some of you may have already heard it. It's a guy named Henry Davis, and as I say, uh, it is a red pill neutron bomb going off uh, everywhere. All right, today's show brought to you by buddies at WaxRx. I had to use this this week. When your ears aren't clean, they can get really uncomfortable. They itch, they're painful, and get plugged up, making it harder to hear what happened to me i was getting the ear i hate the ear itchies. many people use cotton swabs candling or drugstore remedies to clean their ears but they really don't do the job they can even be dangerous now you can get a real solution for stubborn earwax the wax rx ear Wash system is doctor developed and works safely when other products fail the wax rx system is the method physicians trust the most and it's just like the system they use in their office feels really good too joe when you clean your ears out with this it feels awesome Wax RX yeah. comes with everything you need to safely clean out earwax and condition your ears conveniently at home for less than the cost of a doctor's visit. The doctor-developed Wax RX system uses special wax softening drops to break down earwax inside the ear. It has a specially engineered pump fitted with a unique tip to gently deliver the perfect amount of cleansing pressure to flush wax away. Finally, the pH condition formula rinses and soothes your ears, making for the ultimate, most complete earwax removal system available. Visit gowaxrx.com to order your reusable earwash wash system today. We love these guys. gowaxrx.com. That's go w a x r x.com. gowaxrx.com. Go Offer code dan free shipping. This really works. It's a great you product. You
0: know, and I bet it works better than a door key. Yeah, yeah, the door key yeah.
1: definitely <laughs> NG. No good. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm shopping in the Publix this weekend and yeah. I see Candace Owens' tweet. We follow each other on Twitter. I see a tweet from her. And it's a tweet from a uh, a a gentleman who he happens to be black. It's only relevant because of the ongoing debate about the black community and Democrat Party started by Candace Owens from Turning Point USA and Kanye Mm -hmm. West. Now, for those of you who missed the story, some quick background: Candace Owens, who I know, uh, you know, full disclosure, I there's no full disclosure. I know Candace. I think she's great. She works with an outfit called Turning Point USA that focuses on a Charlie Kirk's group on college campuses and advancing free market ideology on college campuses. Candace Owens, because she is black, has become a target, of course, of identity politics. Democrats, Joe, who can't stand anybody who uh, is black and not espousing the liberals are the greatest. Everybody else shut your mouth line. OK, mm-hmm. yeah. Candace. Received a tweet from famous rap artist Kanye West, who said, I like the way Candace Owens thinks. This happened about three weeks ago. Joe, all hell broke loose. Sure did. Oh, (laughs) when I was in one time with the Secret Service, I was doing a... um, true story I was doing a, a for the G7 down in Georgia was yeah I think it was G7 on Sea Island or something I was doing some motorcade training for a local police department this was hysterical mm. Joe. and we're training like the Georgia State Troopers and others on how to handle transportation motorcade type assaults and I'll never forget we would we would do these mock attacks we would use like Roman candles and everything like that <laughs> to, to simulate uh, mortar fire and things and after every after every attack if they did something wrong we'd do a debrief and there was this one guy he was hysterical I I think he was a state trooper or a local cop. And we would say, hey, man, what do you think happened there? And every single scenario, he'd say, we were driving down and then all hell broke loose. Every (laughs) single scenario, he would say the same (laughs) thing. We we, we thought it was the funniest thing. But all hell broke loose after Kanye (laughs) sent this tweet. Because the Democrats have a monopoly right now on the black vote, upwards of 90% of black voters will vote for the Democrats, despite the fact that the Democrats policies are actively harming the black community. This has been a really troubling uh, component, I believe, of politics for a long time. The fact that they have so managed to persuade so many people that they're doing things in their best interest, even though they're not. I had said to you, I don't know Kanye West. I've never met the man in my life. I don't know his politics. Um, I don't know his wife, Kim Kardashian. I know nothing about him. I'm not suggesting he's a conservative because I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. I'm simply suggesting to you that the Kanye West tweet was a very important moment because, Joe, it did something we haven't been able to do in eons. Mm -hmm. It started a real conversation where some people in the black community are out there saying, maybe Kanye's right, Joe. Maybe Republicans aren't the answer, but maybe Democrats certainly aren't either. Maybe mm-hmm. we should start looking at something else. Having said that, this guy, his name is Henry Davis. Don't know the guy. I don't know anything about him. All I know is I saw this video on Candace Owens' Twitter page and it is again, forgive the language uh, we're going to play it in a, about ten seconds. so if you have kids, we bleeped it out, but I understand if you want to kind of fast forward ahead. but I want you to listen. This is two minutes worth your time of an adult male black voter who's finally had enough of the Democrat garbage. play that cut.
0: yeah first of all, welcome Kanye you damn right, Kanye. Make America godly again. Make America great again. You said the right damn thing. It's about time some black people start standing up, some rich black people start standing up and start talking about what the fuck is going on with all us other black people stuck on this plantation. And then, uh, 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 T.I., Said something to the effect of, uh, it sounds like Donald Trump, bro, church. If you just listen to the way he talk, he sounds stupid as a motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck him. And Kanye said the right thing when he said, oh, what I'm supposed to talk about, crack? What I'm supposed to talk about, fucking your bitch? What I'm supposed to talking about, uh, uh, killing each other because it's cultural? Damn right. It's the, Don't nobody want to hear that <laughs> Every time somebody turn on the radio, that's why I don't even listen to black uh, rap no more. Every time you turn on the radio, talking about either twerking their booty or uh, 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 getting high or killing each other. And then Tiago had a, well, this is what really pissed me off. When you talk about Donald Trump representing white supremacy and genocide, we supposed to forget about all of that. Man, if you don't sit your stupid ass down. Genocide is every time you turn on your game TV and you see a young black man or a young black woman dead in the street at the hands of another black person. You damn right, Kanye. Damn right, Kanye. Damn right, Kanye. I'm with you, brother. And just for that, I'm finna put you in my new book called The Coon. Now, I ain't got shit to lose. Talking about, uh, aren't you, uh, what, what, what? what do I say some shit about? Uh, 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 what you gonna, the risk you gonna lose or some like that. Man, shut the fuck up. Us grown-ass black people tired of this This woe ass me before age slavery sh-t. I ain't never been a motherfucking slave. I don't know no slave. I ain't never picked no cotton. But I know one thing. I'm out here in these motherfucking streets trying to make it at the hands of these old puss-ass, punk-ass Democrats. Damn right, Kanye. Go Trump. Oh, crap.
1: <laughs> well, Folks, now. It is a family-friendly show, and you have to understand, I really tortured myself over this. And I fully understand if you're going to send me some negative emails. You know I read them. My wife and I both read emails on the website. But I really feel it's important to put that on there, despite the language, all right? Now, I don't want to be a hypocrite again. You know, I've been known to, you know, I grew up in New York and I, I, just being candid. I'm not suggesting it's right. I'm just saying to you, that's pretty common in New York. People talk like that all the time and it's not. People yeah. talk like that in business meetings in New York. Yeah. Um, a lot of you from New York understand. The reason it's an important moment, by the way, that, that clip has gone viral now. The reason that clip is important is because I've said to you repeatedly, folks, that the Republican Party, more importantly, the conservative movement, does not have a message problem. It has a messaging problem. It has a marketing problem. The Republican Party message is quite popular. I know this. I ran for office, and I used to knock on doors in the black community. Folks, this happened. This isn't like a talking point I'm trying to impress you. Oh, he says he knocked on. No, I actually did it. Joe knows this. I actually went out and yeah, knocked man. on doors. We have We were known in Maryland for our grassroots campaigning. Maryland has a significant black population. And in talking to people, not just one or two folks, hundreds, if not thousands, of black voters, male, female, teenage, adults, seniors, I was always pleasantly surprised how not only right leaning their ideology were, I don't mean they in like a collective sense, I just mean proportionally speaking. The overwhelming number of black voters I spoke to had not only right-leaning but very right-leaning ideological beliefs. Give me my own money. Get out of the way. Let me work. I, you know, the sanctity of life, faith. Gosh, you ever been to a largely black church? I mean, they're packed, packed on a Sunday. You know, I I went to one. uh, uh, I was uh, uh, a mass on a Sunday. It lasted like two hours. I was like, wow, this is long. My church, forty-five minutes. You're out the door. I used to go, and I played in the praise band. I yeah. know, right? I know the church you're talking about. the only used, white guy in the church. It was right above the road from my house where I used yeah, to live. used it. to come there from my house on Sunday when we did the show on Sunday. Loved it. Folks, I, again, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make universal, you know, that's what liberals do, stereotypical comments. I'm just telling you, in my experience, the percentage of black voters that had right-leaning, faith-based, work-based, family-based beliefs was overwhelming. So if I'm telling you that those are largely conservative beliefs, I'm also questioning to you, and I have for a while, why the heck we keep losing the fight for black voters, despite the fact we're standing for things black voters, the ones I ran into, largely believe in. The answer is because the conversations never even started. There has never been a conversation about the viability of conservative values because Democrats in the media have been so effective at saying, "Don't even talk to those conservatives; they're a bunch of racists." That, understandably, when you're bathed in this in this propaganda. The idea of even talking to a conservative and hearing what they have to say, Joe, is stopped. That's why I'm telling you the Kanye moment and moments like this are important, despite the fact that I don't know this guy, Henry Davis. He may not even be a conservative. I have no idea who he is. I don't I don't I don't know if Kanye West is a conservative. He may not be. I'm telling you, folks, that the important point here is not that Kanye is a conservative or that this the guy you just heard, Henry Davis, is a conservative. By the way, he was talking about T.I., who is another rap artist who went after Kanye for his, I like how Candace Owens thinks, who's Candace, who happens to be a conservative. T.I. went after him. That's who he was ripping on. But having grown up in the streets myself and i'm listen, i'm not trying to be like a tough guy i don't i don't need i don't care i'm not trying to impress anyone all right everybody get over yourselves you know with that stuff i grew oh, in the street but i did i grew up on the streets in new york i you know 64th place of myrtle avenue it wasn't like uh you know uh, uh it wasn't a hellhole. it was a you know middle lower middle class neighborhood i'm not trying to impress anybody with that i'm just trying to make the point that the people who are going to break through into those communities Middle, lower, middle class, poor communities that are minority, Hispanic and others that have traditionally voted Democrat only because they believe Republicans are evil. Are going to need people who talk the language of the streets to break through. Do you understand what I'm saying, Joe? You can't. Sure. One of my biggest complaints has been the Republican Party. We walk into like a methadone clinic and we want to talk about the Laffer curve. Listen, I love the Laffer curve. The idea that there's a sweet spot tax rate where you can generate the most amount of revenue. In other words, a 0% tax rate, you raise $0 because you're not taxing anyone. At a 100% tax rate, you raise $0 too because you've taken everybody's money and they have nothing left to invest or earn and they have no business left. That's a great point. The problem is when you're talking to people in a methadone clinic, you may want to start talking about their problems and travails on the street with drugs. And if you've grown up with a silver spoon in your mouth as a lot of politicians have, Joe, they've never learned to talk that language, right? I get it. I get it the language is 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 tough. I understand and I certainly one you know I I for as much as I I get it and I understand. I you know using the Lord's name in vain always bothers me and I'm not lecturing Henry at all. Henry, you know, I'm I'm not anybody's preacher. But I'm simply suggesting to you that sometimes you know, not everybody talks about the Ron curve and the Laffer curve. Sometimes people need, what do, we, what do you call it, Joe? A little bit of tough love? Yeah, you can call it that. Yeah. You know, people in the real world where people work really hard, sometimes people need to hear it and hear it tough.
0: A little reckoning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's important. I think that clip, as I sent it to Joe and I was kind of questioning myself, like for a number of reasons, like the clip is long. Do we play it? I mean, no one's really heard of this guy that that I know of yet, but I think it's a critical moment. Understand this. And I'll leave it at this because I got a lot to get to. There's been some more just unbelievably explosive developments in this case that keep blowing up. But the minority coalition, the Democrats have assembled to fortify popular vote victories in the country uh gay voters black voters hispanic voters women voters young voters that's their coalition largely that will entirely collapse if they lose the black community and i'm telling you the black voters i have a a large body of experience talking to real people on the ground when the conversation actually starts like hey you sure these democrats are fixing our problems or trying to maybe the problem isn't you know, the less government. maybe the problem is too much government, right? Yeah. Once that conversation starts, it's over. The Democrat parties, we know it is finished. And this guy, i th- that's quite a, a rant right there. And it is now uh, viral. So go check that out. Uh, it's on. It's, the Twitter feed is Henry Davis. If you check out Candace Owens, it's on there. And if you're on Twitter, you check out my feed. I retweeted it as well. Okay. Um, I got a lot to get to today, too. I got some really terrific uh the story's falling apart. They're trying to desperately cover up the source and and it's not working, Joe. And uh, I, got, I got a great story for you from Andy McCarthy today that puts together a timeline that shows you these people are in a panic right now in the D.C. swamp. All right, today's show also brought to you by buddies at iTarget. The iTarget Pro system is one of the finest systems out there for upping your proficiency with a firearm. That's important. Anybody can pull a trigger on a firearm. uh, God forbid you have to do so in a self-defense scenario. You have to be able to hit what you're firing at. Now, one of the best ways to do it is to go to the range, but the range can get expensive. You have to clean your weapon. You have to get to the range. Sometimes you don't have a range conveniently located close to your house. So what do we do? We can dry fire. Now, dry fire, you got to safely unload your weapon. You check it. You check it twice. You check it three times. You make sure it's a safely unloaded weapon. And one of the things we used to do on the Secret Service, the NYPD, is you would, with that safely unloaded weapon, you would pull the trigger on a safely unloaded weapon, always pointed, of course, in a safe direction. And you would practice your trigger pull. You would practice your sight alignment. But there's a problem. Problem is you have absolutely no idea where the round would have gone because it's an empty weapon. The iTarget Pro system has fixed that. They will send you a laser round. You will put that laser round in a safely unloaded weapon. You, you don't have to make any manipulations. I like could hurt your gun, anything like that. If you have a nine millimeter firearm, they'll send you a nine millimeter round. I have a Glock 43. I love this thing. You put it in there and when you depress the trigger on that laser round, it'll emit, shockingly Joe... A laser onto a target they send you. It works with a phone app, and you will see exactly where those rounds would have gone. It is a great system. I have people, they send me pictures of their groupings on Monday, and then on like a Friday or next week, and you're like, wow, in a week, look at what happened. They're shooting the wings off a firefly. It's the best system out there. The website is itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com, the letter itargetpro.com. Use promo code DAN d-a-n and you'll get 10 percent off of course if you ever forget our sponsors or their websites go to bongino.com slash sponsors and you can see them all there with the promo codes as well but check it out itargetpro.com promo code dan for 10 percent off okay The big, big question, Joe, who's the source, as we've said? Now, I have a pretty decent idea who this person is, uh, but the story is falling apart and collapsing everywhere. There is an incredible piece in uh, National Review by Andy McCarthy I have in the show notes today at Bongino.com. If you subscribe to my email list, I will send you these articles. Uh, It's a good, I don't know, 900 plus words, but it is worth reading because it describes something That has largely uh, escaped the scrutiny of the hacks in the mainstream media. Now we know, based on some inquiries by Devin Nunes uh, and the the House, and the uh, House uh, Select Permanent Committee on Intelligence, we know that there was a human intelligence asset, think about what I'm going to tell you here, embedded somehow in the Trump campaign. Now we know Joe they weren't just spying on them using FISA surveillance. In other words, signals intelligence. We would in the in the in the arena here we'd call it, you know, HUMINT and SIGINT, right? Mm-hmm. SIGINT is signals intelligence. Emails, phone calls, texts. You're you're intercepting signals from Joe to his his criminal handler or terrorist handler. Poor Joe. Yeah. Now, that in this case, was bad enough because there's still no evidence anyone on the Trump team actually committed any kind of collusion with the Russians. So it's a fake case altogether. Doubling down on this, we now find out, thanks to Nunes, that there was a human intelligence asset, meaning somebody was dealing with Joe who was spying on Joe for the FBI. Oh, my God. The spy who bugged me. The (laughs) spy. (laughs) Joe whipping out the James Bond analogies. I love that. I've seen every movie. It's actually not the last few, but everything. I I don't like the Daniel Craig movies. I'm sorry. They're not my... I liked Roger Moore. He was my... I loved Roger Moore. Sean Connery of course is the icon, but I grew up with Roger Moore. So... Now, that's bad enough. You already know that from last week. There's no the, the breaking news last week was there was a human source. Now, last week's shows, we discussed who those sources may be. I'm relatively confident uh, I know who it is. Uh, it's troubling, deeply troubling. Here's the problem. Not only the FBI have a source... It appears that the FBI, although they had a source, a human source working in an opposition political campaign, the Trump team for the Barack Obama Justice Department, it appears, Joe, that they passed this information to a foreign spy working for Hillary Clinton. Oh, yes, yes. No, I, I'm not. I'm not making any of this up. Okay. Read the Andy McCarthy piece now. How do we know this? Okay. Now I have this framed out because I like to take it out to thirty thousand feet to keep you all on, you know, uh, grounded on where we're going with this. The question here, did the FBI actually pass sensitive information to a former British spy working for the Clinton team? In other words, did they tell the spy that they had a source in the Trump campaign? Do you you understand how, how devastating that piece of information is? That the Federal Bureau of Investigation had a human spy in the Trump team passed it on to Christopher Steele a former MI6 foreign spy who was working on behalf of the Clinton uh, operation to nail the Trump team. Now you say, well, what makes you think the FBI did that? Well, this is a screenshot of Andy McCarthy's piece, again, which will be in the show notes. Cool. Glenn Simpson testified. Remember these dates. This is going to be important. On August 22nd of 2017, he testified in front of the Senate. He said in that testimony, listen up, this is a quote. Essentially, what Christopher Steele told me was that the FBI had other intelligence about this matter from an internal Trump campaign source. This is Christopher Simpson, who's running Fusion GPS, who hired Christopher Steele, this British former spy, to nail the Trump team. So just to be clear, Simpson's telling the Senate that Steele told him that the FBI told him that that there's an internal Trump campaign source. I continue. And that they, my understanding, was that they believed Chris at this point. Because Chris Chris Steele had negative information on Trump, too. But why did they believe Chris Steele, the FBI? They believed Chris's information might be credible because they had other intelligence that indicated the same thing. And one of those pieces of intelligence was a human source from inside the Trump campaign. Oh, 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 what? So now not only is the FBI signals uh, intelligence intercepting information, phone calls, emails, all kinds of things on the Trump campaign. They're spying with a human spy on the Trump campaign, the political opponent, Barack Obama. And then they're sharing the information with a former foreign spy working for the Clinton team to basically drag Donald Trump along the bottom of the seafloor. Folks. How did Christopher Steele, how did Simpson know that? Now, Simpson immediately tried to walk this back. Now, when did he walk this back? Follow the dates. This testimony, folks, August 2017. In January of 2017, the testimony becomes public. The testimony becomes public and immediately... According to the Washington Times, a source close to Fusion GPS said Simpson mischaracterized the source. In other words, oh, no, no, um, we weren't talking about a human spy inside. Why? 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 We weren't talking about a human spy inside the campaign. Why would they do this? Why does this matter? Folks, the entire time, the entire Russian collusion narrative has been fed by a stream of... BS from the FBI and the DOJ that these contacts with the Trump team, where information was exchanged, there was talk of Russian emails, the entire time, Joe, this has been portrayed to us as accidental contacts. Mm-hmm. Oh, this Australian diplomat met with George Papadopoulos at a bar and they were just having beers. And whoa, Papadopoulos said something about Russian emails. This has been portrayed to us the whole time as a series of accidental, not deliberate contacts. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that's garbage. The Trump team was framed and they were set up. I said this morning on Fox and Friends, if a guy asked, I told Brian Kilmeade, if a, you're sitting on a park bench and a guy approaches you on a park bench you've never seen before and asks you to go rob a bank with him, And then he does it again the next day. There's only two solutions to this. Either he wants you to rob a bank or he's trying to frame you for robbing a bank. Mm. It's the latter with the Trump team. Now, if there was a human source, follow me here, a spy, a human spy inside the Trump team working for the FBI, and this all happened before the Papadopoulos meeting, which was, oh, look, this is all accidental, Joe. This Australian just met mm-hmm. with this Trump guy, and they said something about emails. And look, look, what, what, bingo, that's what happened. The, infor- the investigation started to Trump. If there was a human spy embedded in the Trump team before that moment, these contacts were deliberate. The Trump team was set up. Do you understand the 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 uh, the neutron bomb that would go off? Let me get this straight. These were not accidental contacts. The FBI was actively trying to entrap the Trump team in the the most significant consequential entrapment case in American history. Joe, do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I see. The yeah. reason Directly. Simpson. Now, remember, in January, the testimony becomes public, even though he said it in August. He says it in August of 2017, that there was a human source. I just read to you the quote. Simpson tells the Senate, there was a human source inside the Trump team. How do we know that? Well, he says Christopher Steele was told that by the FBI. Steele's working with Simpson to gin up negative information on Trump. The testimony becomes public. Simpson, or as the Washington Times says, a source close to Simpson immediately dials this back and says, no, no, that was mischaracterized. Why? Why? Because I'll bet there was pressure from people up on the hill who know this was an entrapment operation the entire time and former Obama people said, listen, Chris, we cannot acknowledge there was a source inside the campaign. If we acknowledge it was a source, people will know these were not accidental contacts. These were deliberate. We were trying to entrap them. You have to dial that back. Now, here's where the timeline gets screwy. And here's where McCarthy is really onto something in his piece. How did Simpson in August know when he testified that it was Downer? You say, what are you talking about? Simpson testifies in August. There's a human source inside the campaign, August of 2017. In January, the testimony becomes public someone close to Simpson immediately dials it back and says, no, no, we mischaracterized that, Joe. The source we were talking about was probably Downer or the Papadopoulos. Uh, it had something to do with the Papadopoulos meeting in May of 2016. Here's the problem. How would Simpson know during, an, during his August testimony about Papadopoulos or Downer? Papadopoulos or Downer, Joe? The whole Papadopoulos-Downer story does mm-hmm. not appear in the media or in the public domain until December of 2017. When did Simpson testify in front of Congress? August. How did, in other words, yeah. Simpson had inside information. Yeah. Yeah. He had to have inside information. The whole Papadopoulos downer meeting where they talk about the emails and the bar in London. The whole story, Joe, doesn't come out until December 30th. You may say, oh, well, he found he found out about it somewhere else. It must be in some kind of congressional testimony. Nope, it's not there. Papadopoulos's name is nowhere to be found. Oh, well, maybe it was in the dossier they created. Nope, Papadopoulos's name isn't in there either. Matter of fact. This is interesting from the Andy McCarthy piece. On November of 2017, after August, obviously, remember Simpson says there's a human source inside the Trump campaign in August. In January of the the following year, he dials that back when it becomes public. But and he says, oh, no, I just must have been talking about Papadopoulos. He had no way of knowing about Papadopoulos. Do you see what I'm getting at, Joe? When Simpson talked about a source in the Trump team, a human source, he was talking about an actual spy. Boom. Damn right. He was not talking about Papadopoulos. He had no way of knowing about him. You doubt me? From the Andy McCarthy piece. Mm -hmm. Two weeks after the information became public, Simpson was asked about Papadopoulos in a fleeting exchange during testimony, this time before the House, Joe, November of 2017. After his August testimony, saying there's a source, oh, no, no, I meant Papadopoulos. Really? Really? Interestingly, Joe, the subject came up in context of Trump-related research Simpson had done, separate and apart from his collaboration with Steele. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) Simpson claimed that he had been looking at Papadopoulos for a while and regarded him as a clone of Carter Page. But... He admitted that he actually knew nothing significant about Papadopoulos beyond what Mueller had included in the information filed in court at the time of the guilty plea, which was way after his testimony in August. Someone's lying. Now, the information Mueller filed in October. October, again, after August, after Simpson testifies in August about a source in the Trump campaign, he's now alleging, oh, I was just talking about Papadopoulos and Downer. Mm -hmm. Then he says, oh, I just learned about Papadopoulos from the Mueller filing. The Mueller filing was in October. And from Andy McCarthy's piece, Joe, said nothing about Papadopoulos' meeting with Downer or the subsequent purported transmission of Papadopoulos' claims from Australian authorities to the FBI. He is making this up. Simpson is making this up. It is clear as day. Now, this is where it gets even more hairy. Remember after the testimony, Dianne Feinstein at one point releases the testimony of, uh, of Christopher, of Christopher Simpson. Yes. She does an unauthorized release. That's right Diane Feinstein is a Democrat Senator. We now know a former staffer for Feinstein, a guy by the name of Dan Jones, is still, apparently, according to some public reporting, is still working on an opposition research campaign against the Trump team. Dan Jones was a staffer from Feinstein. Feinstein released the transcripts of uh, Simpson's testimony right around January. Now, people all over said, well, why would she do that? Why would Diane Feinstein go around the back of Republicans in the Senate and release the transcripts of Christopher Simpson's testimony? Folks, I told you a long time ago, this was so they could coordinate their stories. Right. But I'm starting to wonder now as well if there's another angle to this. Hmm. Did Feinstein release Simpson's testimony to warn the source? Folks, if this, this is why this is so troubling. If the source is connected to the establishment GOP along with the Democrats and was working from the beginning and potentially paid by the government to take down Donald Trump, we have one of the biggest crisis, uh, crises in modern American history. Did Dianne Feinstein release the testimony about Simpson and the source to tell, in other words, to warn the public and the source to get their story straight, knowing it was going to become public? Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? Simpson outed the source in August. Mm-hmm. It was behind closed doors. Nobody knew about it. Except the Senate Joe. Right. And the uh the gang of eight members who oversee the intelligence community. Feinstein knows the Republicans are onto something. He knows the Re- Dian- Dian- excuse me, she knows. Diane Feinstein knows. By the way, she knows one of her former staffers. Yeah. Dan Jones, she knows him well, obviously. He was a former staffer. Jones is now working on an anti-Trump project still funded by liberal donors, uh, largely liberal donors from the coasts. Feinstein's terrified about her role in this. She's probably also terrified that a source out there has some really damaging information about Democrats' involvement in the spying operation on Trump. She has them release it. In other words, hey, everybody, wink and a nod, You've been outed by Simpson and this thing that there's a spy inside the Trump campaign. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, shh, shh, shh. Everybody, shut up. Shh. Exactly. Yeah, or right, get your yeah. story straight. Yeah, yeah. Get it. Get it right. Yeah. Scrap this thing. Now, listen to me. The timeline does not add up. He could not possibly have known about that because just and I'm I'm going to move on in a second because I got some other stuff to get to, but it's important. They are desperately now trying to change the story and change the story rapidly. The initial story was that the dossier was the start of this entire counterintelligence investigation against Trump. That story changed when it came out. The dossier was paid for by Hillary Clinton and had false information. Then the story became, no, no, this backbencher staffer, Papadopoulos told this Australian diplomat something who passed it to U.S. Intel. Now that story's up in the air as well because Simpson already outed the fact that there's a source inside the campaign, which they're now trying to dial back again. They can't get their story straight how this investigation actually started. So two final bullet points on this. In other words, as Andy McCarthy says at the end of his piece, when Simpson said he had a source, that they had a source inside the Trump team, that's actually what they meant. And astonishingly, they shared this information with a former British spy working for the Hillary Clinton team. Second, what are they covering? They're covering a chicken and egg problem they have now, Joe. Because now they keep saying, well, the dossier started the investigation. Well, what started the dossier? Uh, a human source? No, no, not a human source. The Papadopoulos meeting. Well, how did that happen? Did somebody know about it in advance? Um, Maybe. Because Simpson already said you guys had a source, that the FBI said they had a source, and apparently John Brennan said there's a source in this EC, this electronic communication which started this thing. Here's the problem. This fake dossier, incentivized probably by an investigation started by a human source inside the Trump team, may have started a FISA surveillance operation and human spying on the Trump team. And the Democrats can't find any way out of this now. There's no way out, folks. They cannot wiggle their way out of this. They, you know, I, I saw an article. Was it? Uh, I forget where it was. Forgive me. But they brought up a point I've been bringing up over and over: the chicken and egg problem they're having. Joe is that there is no predicate crime. No matter how hard they try to spin this mm-hmm. thing, the investi- any investigation is supposed to start, you would think, because a crime happened. I can't investigate Joe for nothing and find a crime later. The problem they're having over and over, the Democrats with this case, and why they keep changing the initial way it started, is because it didn't start with a crime. It started with Trump. It started with somebody initiating an investigation against Donald Trump. With no crime attached, no matter how much they dig, no matter how many times they change their story. They cannot Marty McFly this and back to the future, go back in the past and change history. No crime happened. Do you, are you, please tell me you understand this. This is the critical component of this whole thing. There was no predicate crime. They can change the story. They can change how it started over and over. They can never get past the fact that there was no crime. There was an investigation into Donald Trump for one reason. He was Donald Trump. They've manufactured the crime later. That's why they keep changing the Genesis story. Because the Genesis story in an actual investigation, Joe, would be, we saw Joe Armacost break into a bank. Okay, we investigate him for bank robbery. Mm -hmm. If I'm investigating Joe for bank robbery and he never robbed the bank, I can change the story a million times. It's not going to change the fact that Joe never robbed the damn bank. That's why the story keeps changing. That's why, in conclusion, the identity of this source is critical. Because if the source fabricated this whole thing, And these contacts with the Trump team were set up. They were not accidental. We have a major league crisis on our hands. And the Democrats know it. Big trouble ahead. All right. Got a lot more to get to today. Some other stories. Today's show... Finally, brought to you by our buddies at BrickHouse Nutrition. Big fan of these guys. They came through for me this weekend. I uh, had a busy weekend. I don't get really the weekends off anymore. So it's tough for me to eat my fruits and vegetables on the weekend. So they came through with Field of Greens, my favorite supplement out It's real food. It's just real food. It's not crap extract. It's not garbage stuff. It's fresh vegetables ground up into a powder. They obviously take the water. Water is a good significant portion of fruits and vegetables. And it's this great-tasting, fruity-flavored, Fruit and vegetable powder, it's delicious. I put it in green tea, put it in V8, sometimes orange juice, sometimes just plain old water. It tastes terrific, and it's your fruit and vegetable insurance. Everybody knows the key to a long, productive life of fruits and vegetables. I love this stuff. It tastes delicious. My kids like it. My daughters like anything, anything. She likes like chicken tenders. We Every night, we and tomatoes. She'll eat tomatoes. But she takes this, Field of Greens. It's so good. It's delicious. It is your fruit and vegetable insurance, folks. Give it a shot. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com. Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of Field of Greens today. Won't regret it. It tastes delicious. Again, we all know from our doctors, dietitians, uh, and your nutrition folks, you know have some expertise in the arena. Fruits and vegetables are the key to a long, healthy, productive life. We have chemicals in these fruits and vegetables we don't even know about yet. People who eat a lot of them have better cognitive abilities, all kinds of different assets to your life. Give it a shot. We don't all have time to cook these fruits and vegetables every single day. Give it a shot. Field of Greens, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. I felt absolutely amazing since I've been taking this stuff. I love it. I, Miles sends me, and I, I tell you, I can't go through it quick enough. We're running out of it so fast. We're going to have to buy some more. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. Okay, uh, I have a couple other stories. By the way, very suspicious resignation, Joe. The UN's. Uh, internal uh, excuse me uh, International Atomic Energy Agency their top inspector so uh, suspiciously resigned last week a guy named Tiro uh, Varahanta suddenly resigned without reason right after the Iran deal was signed hmm, hmm. why would that be More on that coming soon. I have some theories on that one. But there have been some, um, interestingly enough, some tweets by the Iranians about uh, some very suspicious activities surrounding the signing of the Iran deal. So I have that story from ABC News in the show notes. And check it out. Um, it's, it's, uh, It's an interesting one. I don't mean to leave you hanging on that, but you got to be very careful with things like this. I don't want to impugn anybody's character, obviously, without any evidence. I'm just saying the timing of the tweets and and the timing of the resignation are extremely suspicious. And, you know, ABC News leaves the details out, but read it anyway, because I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of this. Okay, another one. So Hillary Clinton's running around the world again on her Blame Everybody But Hillary tour. And it's interesting. She keeps talking about this short-termism thing. This is a... Listen, it's not a it's not a made up problem, to be fair to uh, Hillary, which she'll never be to us and people she calls deplorables. She was giving a speech a little while ago. She was talking about short termism, how, Joe, corporate America is basically failing us because they're interested in the stock price of the company and not the long term growth of, of, uh, you know, of the American economy. Well. Nah, I believe in evidence, facts and data. So there's an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal this week. And again, uh, refuting and debunking a lot of these talking points that liberals go around talking about. And it's important you know this because it's it's a pretty common attack on capitalism, Joe. Oh, short-termism. Nobody really cares about long-term growth of the American yeah. economy and the American worker. James Freeman piece in the Wall Street Journal this weekend. Uh, he says, uh, what is he? He cites a piece from the journal's James McIntosh. He, who uh, It's a piece within a piece, basically. He notes that capital expenditures at big public companies, Joe, are rising faster than for business as a whole. And large corporations are funding research and development at a historic pace. So what is it, Dems? I don't understand. Is is this short-termism or are they funding long-term growth of their companies in the economy? Again, the evidence is not there for you. Just making this up. Here we go. R&D spending, Joe, by S&P 500 companies at the highest proportion of sales since at least 1990. All right. Bus- business R&D is the highest proportion of GDP since the government started tracking it in 1959. If short termism is a problem, it obviously isn't hurting overall R&D spending. This is what drives me nuts. Democrats. This is why being a liberal involves living in an intellectual vacuum. Almost nothing they say is backed up by any kind of sound, solid facts and data at all. Short-termism was something they developed in a focus group. It sounded catchy. Short-term companies, short-termism, not investing in the American work and the American economy. Actually, they are at the greatest pace since 1959. Uh, Time out. Time out. No good. You're a racist. You're a racist. Wait, what? We're talking about short-termism. It doesn't matter. You're obviously a racist. Okay, I get it. Thousands of Americans would die. Thousands of Americans will clearly die, too, because of this epidemic of short-termism that isn't happening. R and D. This is based on actual numbers taken from the actual economy in the real world, folks. Listen, I, I'm not telling you we don't have issues, economic issues to overcome. We do. Clearly, it'd be great if uh, you know if if American companies' productivity would expand at a greater pace and wages would move faster. I get it. But the real economy has real challenges. I'm just suggesting to you that these short-termism speeches they keep giving because it's a catchy focus group talking point. Are nonsense. It's not based in any sense of reality at all. Now, one another story I want to get to before we leave for the day, but why this is important. Productivity matters, folks. Productivity is the essence of a growing economy. Productivity is everything. Productivity, the ability to produce products. The ability of an economy to produce a growing number of products with the same or fewer inputs is how we get richer. In other words, how do we produce more food at the same price or cheaper? How do we produce more food on the same amount of land or even better, even less land? Hey, we only need a quarter of the land to produce twice the food. Ding, 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 score. This is what productivity is. Widgets, food, medical supplies. How do we produce more of it? Now... That doesn't only apply to products it applies to services too. We say how, services how would that work? In other words, Joe, a doctor's time mm-hmm. is limited. If a doctor's providing, you know, medical consultation services to patients who come in the office, well, how is he going to serve twice the number of patients? Well, what's the answer? Telemedicine. Oh, now hmm. all of a sudden, he can for an hour a day, he can serve, uh, you know, people in India and Vietnam and all over the world over the internet. Doing a consultation online. Even services can uh, can have their productivity enhanced. More products, more services at the same or lesser cost. This is important, and these capital expenditures and R and D matters because the way we develop more products and services with fewer inputs is by investing in technology to produce more widgets. What I'm trying to tell you is we're in a great spot right now. The economy's motoring along. We're below four percent unemployment. It looks like we're going to have three percent growth. This year, we're approaching 3% growth quarter after quarter after quarter since Trump's uh, since Trump got into office. If we're investing now, investing, meaning next year, we may have better equipment to produce even more stuff and productivity. We could be looking at 3%, 4%, 5% growth. This is good news. If we could just get a hold on our darn spending, life would be peachy right now. Instead, these, these, ugh, these idiots in Congress who I can't stand... They can't get a hold on the spending. Did you see that story in Politico? The rescissions package I was all excited about. We sent $15 yeah. billion in, in spending, yeah. essentially cuts, money they're not going to spend now, back to Congress. $15 billion, it was nothing. I said to you, your phone calls are working. Well, the GOP is balking on it now because this is what they do. Sellouts. The worst. Well, I'll keep you updated on what happens with that. I'm hoping they sign it. But McConnell, of course, is like, we don't want to go back on our promises. What promise? To bankrupt the United States? Are you kidding me? All right. Uh, last story. It's in the show notes. A good one. Please check it out. Oh, by the way, before you get there, one, and there's another story in the show notes from the American Thinker. It's a short one, but it's a good one about how we're not in a debate right now with the left, Joe. We're in a fight. Yep. They're the ones defining the fight, not us. And I don't mean it, of course, in a violent way for the media matters, uh, goons who listen. I'm talking about how the left defines us, but it's an interesting piece. They're in a fight right now, not in a debate. They're not interested in the facts. I have that piece up at the American Thinker, but it, it's read it. It's a pretty good one. How, once you recognize that, how the radical far left, they're not interested in the, No matter what you say, the guy brings up the point, no matter what fact you bring up, they'll change the topic. They're not interested in refuting facts. They're just interested in fighting you. Confrontation, that's all. So, final story of the day the single payer scam. You know, single payer healthcare is a disaster, a debacle. Uh, it doesn't work because of the third party payer problem. What is the third party payer problem? Uh, if there are two parties to a transaction, a buyer and a seller, a doctor and a patient, a consumer and a car salesman, those two parties work out a price they both agree on. When you have a third-party payer, the government paying for stuff, you screw up the entire economic agreement process where there's some kind of a clearing price you both agree on. Why? Because the consumer is not paying, directly at least, they're paying through taxes, and the provider of the services, let's say in healthcare, the doctor, or the hospital, knows you're not paying, so there's no reason to try to be competitive on price. This is what single payer is. It's a third party payer disaster. Interesting piece I have in the show notes today about the single party payer government-run healthcare system in the United Kingdom, the NHS. Their last-minute cancellations show for uh, for uh, medical appointments mm-hmm. are the highest in 25 years. They had 25,475 cancellations between January. This is not funny. I'm not laughing, folks. It's just amazing how people get suckered by a single payer. 25,475 cancellations between January and March alone. They have a target, Joe. You know, mm-hmm. these government planners, they love targets. Their target was to treat 92% of patients within, uh, within 18 weeks. 92%. Their target's now been missed for two years. This is an, here, I'm gonna, this number is just gonna blow your mind about how crappy single payer is. 2,755 people waited more than 52 weeks for medical services. Folks, 52 weeks, you're probably dead by then. This is the problem with single payer healthcare. It is a single payer disaster. The disaster is that there's no, when you disconnect the consumer, From the provider of the product, the incentives for both sides to seek efficiency and quality go out the window. That's what the transfer of products and services is about. It's about cost and quality. Never forget that. If I buy a sweater from Joe, I care about the cost of the sweater and I care about the quality. That's ultimately going to determine the price I'm willing to pay. Joe... Has to care about the cost of the sweater because if it's too expensive, competitors will drive him out of business. And he has to care about the quality or else the consumers of the sweater, the people who buy it, will not return the business and Joe will be out of business shortly. Right. To understand when a third party intervenes, this is the, if there was one thing I could hammer through to my socialist uh, listeners out there. I know you're there because I get your emails and the liberals. I still don't, you've never explained to me why you think the government as a third party payer is going to solve that cost or quality problem. The government doesn't care about the cost of the service because they're not spending their money. They're spending taxpayer money. You will always care more. The government doesn't care about the quality of the service they are buying for you, Joe, either, because it's not for them. It's for you. Why would they care? liberals can never ever adequately answer that question the cost and quality problem cannot be overcome it can't there is no way you can frame to me in common sense terms that you will have a better grasp of the cost and quality of a healthcare service and what it means to me if you've never met me in my life how do you know you know Milton Friedman the four ways to spend money right what's government government is other people spending other people's money On other people. They're spending other people's money, taxpayer dollars, so they don't care about the cost. They're spending it on products they're buying for other people. They're not even buying it for themselves. They don't care. There is a cost and quality problem, ladies and gentlemen, that simply cannot be overcome. Look at this single payer article about the NHS and you'll see what I'm talking about. It is a scam. It has always been a scam. It's been a scam from the start. Don't fall for the trap. They ration by time. You know what they say, Joe? They say, oh, we don't ration care. We allow everybody access. When? Well, in some cases, 52 weeks later. Some of them are dead. This isn't funny. Cancellation by attrition. Cancellation by attrition. You're right. Cancellation by death. That's rationing by time. Now, for those of you coming back, say, oh, well, in the United States, we ration by price. Yeah, and the market brings the price down unless the government gets involved. Don't you find it slightly ironic that the two spheres the government has the the heaviest involvement in are the two spheres where prices refuse to come down? Healthcare, where the government pays for about 40% of it, and education, where the government runs the student loan operation and public schools. The prices for everything else that requires sophisticated assembly, iPhones, the the prices for uh, flat screen TVs, that's all come down. The prices only stay elevated when the government injects itself because the cost and quality problem. The government doesn't care about the cost and they don't care about the quality. Therefore, the cost doesn't come down and the quality stays like crap. Don't be a sucker for this. All right, folks, I hope uh, in the beginning of the show you were okay with that. I put that in there. Again, I know it's a family-friendly show, but that was a a red pill atomic bomb going off. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes even the harsh language... we. We have to hear that stuff, and other people need to hear it, too. I appreciate all your support for the Chum Store. We have Bongino Show merchandise. Uh, You asked for it. We put it out there. It's been selling like crazy. Uh, Go to the website, Bongino.com, pick something up today, and check out the show notes. Don't miss the stories. And uh, I'll be in for Levin tonight, by the way, Uh, 6P to 9P. Mark Levin filling in on the radio, so check that out. I'll see you all later. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. you can also
0: get dan's podcasts on itunes or soundcloud and follow dan on twitter 24 7 at d